You know, technology is a very, very useful and beautiful thing when it decides to work and actually do what it's supposed to do. I'm very distrusting of technology when it comes to like a GPS or something like that. So many times I've tried to go to somebody's house and the address they gave me parks me at the neighbor's house or, you know, the next neighborhood over. Or one summer when I was driving to my summer assignment as a seminarian, the GPS parked me in a sugarcane field and said, you will have to walk two miles to your destination. And so all of that being said, several years ago, I go to New York City for the very first time with a priest friend of mine, and he says, okay, just, I'll get us around, I know the place, I can navigate. And then one evening we decided we'll go our separate ways, we're going to rest, and he was going to go do this, meet up with a different friend of his who was in the seminary, I was going to go sightsee, and said, okay, I got this. So I bring myself to one of those boards at the bus stop and the train station and the subway and it has all these different colored lines and letters and numbers and all this stuff to get from point A to point B. So I have this perfect plan in mind. I'm gonna hop on this bus and then get on this subway and I'm gonna pay the fares and everything that's gonna get me to the other side of town so that I can see where the Twin Towers were and the memorial and everything, pray there. And so I'm bebopping around, I'm on the bus, and then all of a sudden I look out the window and I see a sign that says, Welcome to New Jersey. I said, Sweet Jesus, I'm never going to make it home. And I kept beating myself up about it because two and a half hours later when I finally made it back to the right state, the right city, the right zip code, I'm telling my friend all of this, he's laughing, he said, You should have just went to the GPS in the beginning instead of being proud and trying to figure it out on your own. And I tell that story because I can't help but think of this gospel passage when Jesus is very, very clearly telling us how to get to heaven. Very clearly telling us how to get to the Father. I am the way, he says. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Why are you going to try to go anywhere else other than through me? You can't get there except through me. You can't figure it out on your own. I'm the GPS. I'm pointing you to the right place to where you can get it the first time. But so often our own pride and humanity makes us try to figure it out on our own to where I'm the way, Jesus, you just step back. I know you're the truth, but you've shared your truth with me, so I've got it, so you just take a step back. I know you're the life, but I can give myself my own life. I got it, I'm good, step back. Maybe we're not that explicit, but our actions absolutely do speak louder than what we believe, what we think. Jesus is saying, if you do believe in me, then you're going to do what I do. If you do believe in me, you're going to hear my voice and come after me. We hear that last Sunday at Good Shepherd Sunday. If you listen to my voice, you are my sheep. I'm your good shepherd. I'm not going to lead you astray, but we doubt so often. St. Thomas, where are you going? How can we get there? We don't know where you're going. St. Philip, just show us the Father now. Let's just stop beating around the bush. We want immediate answers. We want to do it our way. And yet the Lord simply is patient, thanks be to God, steps back and says, I'm the way. I have the answer that you're looking for. Without me, you're not going to be able to do it. We can't just take on everything unjustly to ourselves and to the Lord because it takes our focus off of him and focuses on me or what I think is going to be best. Even in the ministry of the church, I'm not so naive as to think there are people in our church tonight that have not been hurt in some aspect of their lives by clergy, priest, deacon, bishop, by religious, maybe a religious sister, a nun, a brother, monk, maybe something that the church teaches or has said or something at some point 
I'm not so naive as to think that there is that woundedness in our congregation. I'm sorry about that. I really am. It's a chance for us to focus on the reality that the church is perfect because she is the bride of Christ. But the people in the church, we are far from perfect. I know it's hard to believe that Father Andrew and I are not perfect people. Bishop Duca, God bless him, he's not a perfect person. The apostles were not perfect people. From the very beginning of our church, we see in this first reading that people come and they say, look, some people in the church are angry. They feel slighted. They feel neglected because the apostles are doing great things, say, in masses, hearing confessions, anointing people, doing healings, proclaiming the gospel, doing all of this stuff to build up the kingdom. But the widows are being neglected. They're not getting the daily distribution, the offering of the poor, the bread, the, the food, the sustenance. And the apostles don't say, well, I don't have time for that. Tell them to figure it out. They say it's not right for us to leave what we're doing in order to tend to that, but it is still important. They should still be seen. So we're going to delegate. We are literally going to ordain these seven reputable men, the first deacons of the church, to go and to minister with the authority of the church, with the authority of Jesus, to be that way to the Father for them, to be that truth that you are still seen and cherished, to be that life. Because in misfortune, in certain circumstances of suffering in life, it can feel like we don't have life within us. We're just dead, stagnant, suffering, and that's it. And yet in the truth of Jesus Christ, we realize that we too are sent forward. It's not just the priests or the deacons. Because from there, what happened, they still chose more and more and more people to send out. The people of the church are very imperfect yourself included, I'm sorry to say, but you have a place here and you have a role in the ministry of the church. Yes, Jesus is the only way to the Father, but if we truly believe what the church professes, that when we rise from the waters of baptism and we are made and conformed to this image of Christ, then why can't we be that way to the Father in His name to other people? You have that authority. That's not just some cliche thing. It's not just a consolation prize. It's not a participation award. You have real authority in the church to use the name of Jesus Christ and to proclaim that news that he is not dead. He is alive. And he is the only way to the Father. How do you get to the Father through Jesus? Where is his body here on, church, on earth? His church. See, in the old Jewish customs, when a betrothal happened between a man and a woman, we use that word differently today, but the betrothal was actually the ceremony that wed them. They were husband and wife, but for the next year, the bride, the wife, still lived with her parents, and the husband went to make a home for his own, for their own, so that a year later there could be this grand ceremony, a procession bringing the bride into his home and welcoming her, really as queen, as mother of the household with authority under her husband, focusing on that authority of Jesus Christ. No wonder Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. Why? Because you are my bride. I'm going to my father's house to make a room for you, a dwelling place for you, a house for you, so that I can come back and get you, and we will be there for eternity together. It's not just some language Jesus said, I'm going to go ascend to heaven, and I'll see you all when I come back later. He is there interceding for us to the Father. 
He is there beckoning us, come back to me. I'm going to return and I'm going to get you. I will take you back. I'm not going to lose you. Just last week, I was at the bedside of somebody who was on his deathbed, and he had been away from the church for 50-plus years. And praise be Jesus Christ, he chose to receive the sacraments on his deathbed. 50 years of being away from the church, and the Lord came back to get him. Hours after I left, he peacefully passed. He gazed into heaven, and he saw the gates opening for him, and he chose to go and to take the Lord by the hand and walk with him. I don't know for certain. I don't. I'm not canonizing this person by any means, but I believe in the power of the sacraments, and I believe what Jesus Christ said, that when we go to him, nothing will be lost. I believe that he is with the Father now. In the name of Jesus the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. People, there is power in his name, and you have that power. You have the authority. Do not be afraid to use it. This world can use it. Our country can use it. Our campus can use it. Your dorm rooms, your homes, your workplaces, it can use it. Jesus is alive and he gives that life to us. We have nothing to be afraid of. He is the only way to the Father and without him we're going to fail. We've seen it throughout the church's history, I know. We've seen it throughout our our political history because people are flawed. We're sinful. We mess things up. But through the midst of all of it, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the one that so desperately demands that we follow him, not because he wants to be a dictator, because he knows that the way he shows us to the Father, the spirit that they send us together at Pentecost in just a few weeks, in the work of the Trinity, going to heaven, that divine life is ours. It's mine. It's yours. And no one, no one gets to take that from you. Except, of course, yourself. We can very well choose to walk the other way. We can choose to try to walk our own way, to live our own truth, to give ourselves our own life. But Jesus is the only answer. If the Holy Spirit really is in your soul through your baptism, through your confirmation, what are we waiting for? It doesn't have to be some grand entrance into a town to start proclaiming the gospel like the apostles did. Maybe it is. But chances are, for many of us, evangelization starts very small by simply proclaiming that, you know, Jesus is alive. He's not just some storybook character. He truly is risen. He truly does live. He truly does want us to have that life, too. Whatever sorrow you're going through, whatever suffering, whatever death or illness or whatever, there is joy to come about because there is no resurrection without a suffering and death first. And Jesus has already redeemed it. How beautiful that we still proclaim that message during this ongoing Easter season that Jesus Christ is alive, he's risen, hallelujah, the tomb is empty, whatever you want to say, it is still true because he is the truth. It is still the way to freedom because he is the way. It is still the way to divine life because he is life itself. And without him, we die, we go astray, and we live a lie. My hope tonight is that we continue to ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in abundance upon us. In abundance. To overflow our hearts, our minds, and everything. To totally purify whatever it is that may distract us from the heart of the Lord, the heart of the Father, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Whatever tries to yank us away and destroy that. 
I pray that we have the audacity, the boldness to stand up and to use the authority that we have as the church and to rebuke it, to reject it. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then we have nothing to be afraid of because that, this way that he brings us on, although it might go straight through the dark valley of death, evil is all around us. We feel alone and betrayed, scared, led astray, and yet we keep following him. We're told, probably literally, millions and millions of different things and opinions and thoughts and proof of whatever. And yet Jesus is the only sound foundation of truth. We can try to live whatever life we want to live, but without the Lord, it's in vain and it's dead. It only breeds more suffering, and more pain, more strife. But not with the Lord. That's all been redeemed, and it leads us to heaven. So let's not be afraid to stand up, to send ourselves out first from this altar, this place of sacrifice where we lay ourselves down in our insufficiencies, in our imperfections, and trusting that to the heart of our Lord who is alive, to that heart that still beats with life and love for us, so that we can go out and just like Jesus, who empowers us to do so, be that way, that truth, and that life in the resurrection. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at CTK is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctk.com. LSU.org.